And we're back, folks. <laughs> I know. After a, after a long winter's nap, yep. we have returned. Uh, finally, with our part two of our Jack the Ripper episode. Yep. This uh, is Left Unread coming back at you with Cam and Evan. Uh, we uh, made some promises that we did not keep. <laughs> when we still had miles to go before we slept so <laughs> yeah it uh wasn't the first time and i i can't imagine it'll be the last so well it was, it was the first time for this podcast oh for this podcast certainly yeah and we were well-intentioned so we were in brooklyn yeah. and we had every intention of recording but uh turns out that when you have usb microphones and you try to <laughs> plug them both into one computer it just doesn't work and Yep. Uh, whatever, long, long laundry <laughs> list of reasons that uh, we did not record in, in Brooklyn. Yep. But we tried, um, we tried, and we failed. Yet, dear listener, we did everything we could. And when I bring... say everything, I mean <laughs> a few things. Yeah. Uh, uh, a couple, three things, you know? And then we gave up pretty quickly. Yep. But uh, we're back at it here. This episode's been written for a while. Uh, we're mm -hmm. ready to finally do it. Um, yes, my full sir. disclaimer is this. Uh, it's a long one. I didn't, there's no skit to start it. There's no nothing. We're going to do an advertisement if everyone's got one. But, I have one. Okay, great. Other than that, we're just going to get straight to the meat and potatoes of it because well, I realized, like, this could have been a whole, like, mini-series, and I'm not doing <laughs> that. I'm not doing an episode three. There's a lot to talk about. I'm probably yep. going to leave stuff out. You, you, if you're someone out there who's a fucking weirdo and, like, is super into this stuff. Uh, Which, might... let's be honest, if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably a fucking weirdo. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but so, <laughs> um, if, if you're noticing that I left stuff out, uh, my bad, but we're never coming back to it. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to cram it all into one episode and we're going <clears> to <throat> see where we get. Okay. Um, uh, however, I do want to discuss one thing first. Okay. Uh, I don't think I sent it to you today. Have you heard uh, the news about uh, the world's healthiest president, Jair Bolsonaro, today? Uh, no. Okay. I will read to you the title of this article. Bolsonaro may have emergency surgery after hiccups persist for over 10 days. That's so funny. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I was so ready to be underwhelmed by whatever you told me, but hiccups for 10 days is pretty fucking funny. His diaphragm must be, like, completely shredded. Well, this is the man who, uh, uh, according to himself, had mold in his lungs after he got COVID for, like, the third time last year. Right. Yeah. I, like, I, it, I, you never see pictures of active presidents in the hospital, and I would say the vast majority of the pictures of Jair Bolsonaro are from his myriad <laughs> hospitalizations. Yeah, dude, when he gets his sack stomped in by fucking Lula, it's going to be a happy day. He's a piece yeah. of shit. He's a bad dude. Yeah, I, I just will always treasure the uh, the video of him leading uh, a bunch of, like, Brazilian military cadets in, uh, like, a 10 push-up challenge. Yeah. And they're all doing push-ups and, like, cheering as if he's also doing them, but... I mean, you guys should just look up Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, so here's the thing with that, is that, like, Bolsonaro, he was, like, a nobody, you know what I mean? But he was in the army for, like, 20 years, back when he was a nobody. So I have to imagine he knows how to do push-ups, because right. he was forced to do it. And just, like, I don't know if that's just his weird fucking sense of humor. Like, when he shared that video of himself with just the caption, Bon video, just means good video. <laughs> and it's, like, 
him, but I don't know. It's like all distorted, so he's wicked short and wicked fat, and he's just like walking around, and there's like music playing. <laughs> he's just a fucking weirdo. Or also when he got attacked by an emu because he was trying to like, I don't know, show it a picture on his phone. <laughs> and then didn't he like threaten to have the emu executed or something? Yeah, yeah. There's a picture of him though. He's like, like walking up to it, just holding his phone out. It's like all of his pictures are just, yeah, him just in the hospital or being attacked by wild creatures. <laughs> or not being able to do push-ups. Yeah, that too. Boom video. Well, I hope that he dies, and uh, I mean that, so. <laughs> yeah. I hope he parody. Yeah, absolutely. When I say yeah. that, what I mean is I'm jokingly saying that I hope that he dies. I don't know if you but can serious. Hear, I don't know if you can hear me <laughs> winking. I don't know. Yeah. If I, that's the yeah, the, yeah. Classic winking sound. Okay, anyway, uh, right. let's uh, start the show. acceptable interlude isn't Jair Bolsonaro but you know whatever you are technically co-host of this show so what the fuck I'll give you a little I'll give, give you a little <laughs> levity there but uh not technically no no I listen buddy <laughs> nobody's calling your your bona fides I know. Into, I, into as question. I literally just burped into the microphone without yeah. even thinking about it <laughs> um but do you have an advertisement for us today yes uh, for today's episode, we have a Help Wanted posting from the Oops, That's Gonna Be Fully Regulated Hazardous Waste Cleanup Contractors. <laughs> they are looking for a team of fun, motivated, and strong-stomached licensed hazardous waste cleanup specialists to fulfill a short-term cleanup project in London. The site is in the Whitechapel neighborhood uh, at the former storefront for Stab and Patrick Fitzpatrick's Knife and Bind Emporium, as the store was recently raided by local authorities and the basement contained... 12 or 20 freezers and refrigerators filled with all manner of goop, gore, and bloody parts from upwards of seven different species, up to and including human. They are looking for a half dozen folks to work on a week-long cleanup, uh, so get into contact with them if you are licensed and willing to sign an NDA. Nice. <laughs> I like up to and including human. Because the reason I like that wording is because it does assert the uh, primacy of man. Yeah. You know? I mean, we are at the top of the you food chain for a reason. You have to work your way up to us. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that that's really good. Yeah, you have to Yeah, you, you have to work through the badgers and whatnot before right. you get... Yeah, badgers, salamanders, uh, lampreys, and... Yeah, and oh, us. yeah, lots of lampreys. Do just jars of lampreys. Just I think they're making lamprey pie. Jars of lampreys. I think they're making pie. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, for sharing that with us because I, I I I think that hopefully we'll be able to send some people their way to help them get that taken care of. Yeah. Remember, you have to sign an NDA. So. <laughs> yeah. Don't you don't reach out to us if you do it because, you, I mean, you can't. You're not allowed to. Yeah. So, but hopefully you guys do it. <sighs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, cool. I guess let's uh, let's dive back into uh, tales, of, tales of Stabby Jackie. Uh, so, <laughs> when last we spoke of our boy Jack, it was September of 1888. Uh, Annie Chapman, who's the second of the canonical Ripper victims, had been murdered, and far more gruesomely than the last. Scotland Yard had assigned a task force headed by three specialist detectives, Frederick Aberline, Henry Moore, and Walter Andrews, to crack the case. Uh, I mentioned all of those guys in the last episode. Um, you really you really only have to remember Frederick Aberline. Oh, hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. Oh, goddamn. It looks like Evan spotted, like, a moth in his room. Way to go, kitty. Um... And and because he is uh, just a delicate, Way to go. fragile porcelain boy, he has no choice but to interrupt the show, uh, talk to his cat, and try to coordinate an, an assault on what is probably uh, an, inc an incredibly harmless uh, insect. What were you saying? Uh, I was saying, well, you'll just hear it when we put the episode out. Okay. Yeah, uh, Kitty... If I were um, you, I'd be fine with that. What? Just waiting until you hear the episode. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, my cat suddenly jumped in the air and tried to catch some little beastie that was uh, flying around. I don't know where he went, though, so... Mm. Hopefully, Kitty kills him. Yeah, or not, because, I mean, there's a 0% chance it's anything that could hurt you. Yeah, I still don't want to fly around my room while I'm, like, sleeping and shit. What do you think it's going to do, jerk off on you? I'm worried it's going to jerk me off in my sleep. Why would that worry you? That sounds fucking awesome. I'm if not there getting were jerked off by a bug. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not being one of those folks that gets whacked off by a fucking fly, all right? All right, that sounds like... Uh, not going to happen. That sounds pretty... I mean, you sound pretty prejudiced. Against those people, yeah. Perfect. Those people. All right. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you think you know somebody, and then you start hearing this type of shit. Uh, are, are we free to continue, or? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, so as I was saying, there's three detectives that are officially assigned um, from the Metropolitan Police, Scotland Yard. Um, but all we need to worry about, really, is Frederick Aberline, because he's the only one who's going to come back in our story. And frankly... There's a whole, I mean, we could do episodes on him. He's going to come back, like, barely at all, but he's going to come back. And the other guys, we're not going to even talk about the other guys. So I'm sorry, Ripperologists, but it's just not going to happen. Um, in addition, uh, a citizens vigilante group, which you might remember, the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, has formed under the direction of a local builder and decorator named George Lusk. Uh, they had taken it upon themselves to patrol the streets and attempt to make up for a perceived lack of police presence. Uh, mm -hmm. The police were doing their best, but 
police weren't what they are now, for better or worse, sometimes both. Um, so yep. there just wasn't enough manpower to canvas uh, an area even as big as Whitechapel. The print media, just entering the dawn of its, quote, golden age, and I put that in quotes because, eh, you know, like, who's to say? But newspapers are doing really well because there's no competition. There's no radio. There's no TV. There's no internet. Yeah. If you want news, um, it's pretty much just the newspaper. Just a bunch uh, of print media perverts. Yeah. And they're, all, I mean, they are fucking perverts. <laughs> yeah. um, so they've taken a keen interest in the case. Um our leaving off point at the end of last episode is the Dear Boss letter, which is also the namesake of the episode. Um, he revealed himself to the paper and coined the name Jack the Ripper. Very spooky. Um, and as I mentioned previously, the Dear Boss letter arrived at the Central News Agency in London on September 27th of 1888, nearly a full month after the last Ripper victim, Annie Chapman, had been murdered. That was our little cliffhanger. Uh, the letter had been dated two days prior, September 25th, and according to the agency, they had presumed it to be a hoax, uh, but they eventually did forward it to Scotland Yard on September 29th, which would prove to be rather fortuitous, hint, hint, wink, wink, but we will get mm -hmm. back to that. Uh, of note was the author's insistence that they were, in fact, the killer. Uh, they intended to kill again, and that the next time they killed somebody, they were going to take an ear from their victim. None of this would mean much now, except that two days after the letter arrived, the murderer struck again. We are now caught up, folks. Uh, if you have any further questions about what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen to part one, which I believe is episode 21 of our show. Yes. Uh, titled Jack the Ripper, part one of two. Um, you'll notice yeah, that's our, um, our multi-part episodes often skip weeks. That's just how we do things. And Evan and I don't want to do two weeks in a row. We don't want to do two weeks. <laughs> we don't want to do two weeks we in a row. We don't want to do two it's weeks hard. in a row. It's Doing hard. Doing episodes is hard. Doing episodes is hard, and we don't want to do two weeks in a row. So this is just how it's going to be. And actually, frankly, sometimes three weeks because we did skip last week. We kept yeah. pushing it off, and then it just didn't even happen. And so here we are. I mean, it's 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 almost a month after the last one. So yep. you're just that's just going to have to be okay. Um. So let's dive in. The killings uh, continue. So uh, the next two Ripper murders, and you'll remember that I mentioned there are five canonical So these Ripper are murders. canonical ones, right? Yes, yes. These two? These two. We talked about two previous killings in the last episode, and I'm going to warn you in advance. I'm not going to go through all of the Whitechapel murders, which are the broader selection of particularly brutal murders, uh, mainly of women, that occur during a six, I think, or seven-year uh, time span between the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Um, so I guess it would be more than that, like a, a little over a decade. But uh, – we're not going to have time to talk about all of them. And they're frankly, they're not really part of our story because we're basically admitting that Jack the Ripper didn't do them. So since these are Jack the Ripper episodes, we're, we're only going to go through the canonical murders, which all cons occur consecutively. We're not skipping anything, mm -hmm. but we're not going to continue past them very much. Um, okay. But so there's two more murders. So this is going to be murders three and four. And they actually occur on the same date, September 30th, less than an hour apart. 
So Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, or Eddowes, uh, would both be discovered early that morning, and their strikingly different condition paints a particularly chilling picture of the night's events. Elizabeth Stride, who had been born Elizabeth Gustaf's daughter in Gothenburg, Sweden, home of the melodic death was. metal scene. Yeah, her dad's name. Her dad's name was Bill. Uh, it was a, it was a red herring name. Those were really yeah. big in Sweden in the late nineteenth century. They would do red herring names. You know, they were they were just trying to throw you off. Yep. Uh, no, her dad's name was Gustav. Um, <laughs> and okay, so she was a forty-four year old prostitute and occasional housekeeper, who on September 29th, eighteen eighty-eight was residing at 23 Flower and Dean Street, which is a notoriously <laughs> violent and crime-ridden neighborhood. The aptly named. Flower and Dean, baby. <laughs> Unlike the previous Whitechapel victims, Long Liz, as she was known, had had a lifelong relationship to the oldest profession, having suffered multiple arrests in her native Sweden before relocating to London, where she eventually married a local carpenter slash barista. No, I am not kidding. This guy owned a coffee shop, and he also <laughs> did shit with wood. Um, pretty new, I think, to have a coffee shop at that time. But yeah. he did it, and he made coffee. I don't think he made lattes, but I bet you you could go in there and order a fucking drip coffee, you know? I don't, yeah. know, if, I don't know if he had almond milk, but I bet you he had um, sugar, maybe, or molasses, yeah, probably more cubes, likely. cubes, you know? So this marriage didn't last. By 1888, Long Liz, she's involved with the <laughs> second guy, who's named Michael Kidney, uh, which is a good name. This is quite the cast of names right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Uh, with whom she spent years reconciling, splitting, reconciling, splitting. Uh, everybody knows somebody like this. They just keep getting back together, breaking up, and, 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 and there's nothing you can say to them. They're just going to keep doing it. Uh, he apparently liked to get physical, and on September 26th, after another bad argument, Elizabeth had moved into the house at 23 Flower and Dean, which is where the crime takes place. Uh, on the evening of September 29th, she was witnessed in the company of an oddly well-dressed man. Um, oddly considering the neighborhood they were in, which was not a nice neighborhood, uh, yep. and the fact that she was hardly a high-class escort. Uh, these women are not uh, what we would consider like high-society type uh, mm -hmm. prostitutes. These are, these are women who are plumbing the depths of the sex work profession uh, in order to simply subsist. Find a place to sleep for the night. Basically banging for booze money and somewhere to sleep, which is, which is a pretty rough day-to-day -day existence. Vagrant finding vagrant. Absolutely. Uh, so multiple eyewitnesses make note of this, that she's with this guy who's dressed, like, weirdly well, um, and that they're walking around, like, and it looks like they're, they're acting like they're in love, which is kind of weird, right? Like, they're kissing a bunch, um, and, and the reason people notice this is because, like, a well-dressed, you know, quote-unquote gentleman walking around, like, making out with some Whitechapel prostitute is not uh, something anyone would expect to see. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it stands out to people. Yep. Um, one witness repeatedly overheard, overhears him saying, you'll say anything except your prayers, which gets mentioned several times. Um, I don't know if that even means anything, but it is definitely creepy sounding. So that's yeah. why I feel like it gets included in all of these, uh, I don't know, all of these, these uh, tellings of, of the Jack the Ripper murders. Yep, so yep, I yep. included it because I do think it's creepy, but... Yeah. Um, so she's later seen standing outside of a prominent Jewish socialist social club, the Working Men's Educational Club. So you know something bad's about to happen, okay? Uh, yeah. Talking to a man of medium build who's carrying a suspiciously long, thin package. Uh, again, this is probably included to uh, 
to to present the notion that maybe this is a knife of some sort or or or, mm-hmm. or I don't know surgeon's tools or something. Who fucking cares? Uh, the witness is a cop named William Smith. <laughs> I wrote mm-hmm. gasp because I mean fucking William Smith like that's probably half the population of England at this time. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, uh, old Bill Smith. <laughs> he apparently overhears uh, Long Liz saying, no, not tonight, <laughs> some other night. And then not having any reason to bother them, he just keeps on moving. Um, later, a man named Israel Schwartz claims to have seen her involved in a physical altercation with a man around 12.45 a.m., uh, though believing he was witnessing a domestic dispute. And at the time, you know, if you see a man hitting his wife, that's, like, just right and good, and you should leave him to it. Otherwise, you might risk her not being properly disciplined. Uh, he decides <laughs> to mind his own business and keep it moving. Um, in reality, uh, it's it's thought that he may have been witnessing the start of the murder, um, but he mm-hmm. just he just kept on going. Either way, this is the last time that Stride is reportedly seen alive. So we're going to fucking fly away from her now, and we're going to go check in on uh, Catherine Edowiz. 46, also a prostitute in the Whitechapel area. Uh, So having a similar story in respects to all of these other women, except for uh, Elizabeth Stride, who, as I mentioned, had been a prostitute kind of her whole life, uh, Edoas has moved to London as a small child. When she was older, she found a husband, started a family, as was expected, uh, but she also found booze, which was not expected. Uh, The Lord knows, as we mentioned in the last episode, if you're in a city as shitty as London in 1888, you kind of want to be fucked up because it's, it's yeah, pretty Yeah, you're tough sleeping to... on a rope. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, I don't know. I think you agree. Mm-hmm. It's not a city that you necessarily want to be in and your life is going to be pretty bad. You want to yeah. get fucked up. Yep. Probably work fucking 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. six days a week. Uh, you got to sleep either on the ground in some dirt um, in one of those little coffin bed things or, you know, you're doing one of those little uh, two penny hangovers or whatever the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably want to <laughs> tie tie one on or so, you know, every night. And the thing is, if you're these ladies, your job is even worse because yeah. you're fucking these dirty ass guys who just work sixteen hours. Probably, probably ain't showered enough. Zero percent chance minute. they didn't have just the yeastiest dicks. Yeah. And so you're just, just like coming signing... out of the factory covered in soot and yeah, shit. Absolutely, like literal blood, literally sweat, and pig tears, pen, dude. Literally yeah. pig pen from Charlie Brown. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And so you're just saying to these guys, like, honestly, toss it in. No worries. Like, I just I, I don't want to sleep uh, literally in a pile of rat shit tonight. So, yeah, um, go ahead. And so that's their. It's a pretty tough life. Yeah. So nothing she, <laughs> good happening these days. Zero percent chance of a positive turnout. Uh that being said, nobody expected what's about to happen. So she ends up leaving her family and shacking up with a guy named John Kelly. Uh, and this spiraled into a pretty sad, pretty destitute existence where she basically just got fucked up, slept in flop houses, worked odd jobs, uh, and prostituted herself as needed to pay for a bed when she had no other money, which was often. Uh, basically par for the course for rip- ripper victims, but also for, like as I mentioned, a whole unfortunate class of folks in Victorian London. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just a bad scene. Yeah. 
So on the night of September 29th, Eddowes was actually detained by police for public drunkenness after being found passed out in the middle of the street and taken to the local station at around 8.30 p.m. She gets released around 1 a.m., and the cop says a fantastic line to her. He says, all right, good night, old cook. And she heads into the opposite direction of her home, like out into the street, not towards where she lives. So ostensibly, she's looking for a John or somebody that she can sleep with to make a little cash, either yeah. to get a drink or get a bed. Uh, she's last seen alive at 1.35 a.m. by multiple witnesses in the company of a strange man. Um, and again, this is the last time she is seen alive. Um, so we're going to flash forward just a little bit. Stride's body is found. Uh, we're bouncing back to, to Stride now. Her body yeah. is found at 1 a.m., which is just as Edo's is being released from police custody. A steward at the social club near her body came across it, and for whatever reason, he assumed that it was his shit-faced wife passed out in the street. Probably not a good look if, like, you just see, like, a dead body in the road, and your first thought is, oh, man, that's probably my fucking wife. Uh, but he does. So he runs in, in back into the social club to get help I to carry I think I got it, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry? I think I got it. Yeah, dude, nobody fucking cares. <laughs> like... It sucks that you killed it. You should have just you should have just ignored it or captured it. No, dude, it's like a I don't know, it was, it was like a beetle wandered in the house. Got the fucker though. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for triumphing over uh, insurmountable odds. Hell yeah, brother. That should be the image for our podcast. <laughs> not to not to knock the beautiful image that we got from uh, from our good friend Zach, but just you sitting there flexing with just dead eyes after killing a beetle. That's that's yeah. what I want people to have in mind. Yeah, too bad I I, I should like hold up its corpse. You know, what I mean, like yeah. when somebody catches a fish, I'm just yeah. instead of putting it on a stake, you could put it on like a little thumbtack. <laughs> Like a, like a tiny little piece of like a like a popsicle stick, and I can mount it to the wall. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Mount it on a poker chip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So as I said, a guy runs <laughs> yeah, out of the we social were. club, thinks it's his shit-faced wife, grabs people to help bring her inside, and when they get back, they realize, oh my god, this isn't my wife. He realizes his wife is in the kitchen. He's like, well, then who the and fuck? You may did I ask just... yourself. <laughs> where is my beautiful wife she's in the kitchen cooking fucking whatever <laughs> who's that body I just found out in the street yeah, um, same as same it ever as was, it ever was. <laughs> uh, so he, they, they flip her over and they see that her throat has been cut in a ghastly fashion in keeping with the other ripper murders uh, but interestingly her body has no further mutilation so this would likely have led to some discussion about the likelihood of another ripper murder, except... Wait, wait, oh, so just her throat was cut? Just her throat is cut, and nothing else. And this is the first one, right? This yes. is uh, Long Liz? This is Long Liz. Her throat's okay. cut, nothing else. And so while they're puzzling over this, uh, about 45 minutes later, Edois' body is found not far away. And this is another thing entirely. She has been completely disfigured, uh, including many of the Ripper's classic calling cards, but... With some fun new additions. So, wait, uh, wait, wait. So, like, is the thought that, like, Long Liz, he, like, killed her, but the owl something happened, he had to run away. And then he was like, well, yeah, that wasn't... Yeah, shut the fuck up, man, because I got a whole narrative planned. 
Yes. Okay, what? Jesus. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, yes, that is that is exactly the thought. And um, it was like, that wasn't it, like, you know, like, you know, he, he wasn't fully done. He needed to finish everything, so he goes and finds someone else. Yes. That's the current okay. thinking on this situation. Okay. Um, is, is that that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, but so, these new additions, let's hear about them. Yes. So, like the other canonical victims, she had been killed instantly with a quick slash to the throat. Um, we mentioned that last time. He did not perform any of these mutilations while they were still alive, um, yep. so it doesn't seem like he had any interest in torturing anybody. Uh, he would quickly kill his victims with a really brutal slash to the throat, and then yep. he would get to work. Um, so her abdomen had been opened, and one of her kidneys and most of her uterus had been removed. Her intestines had been gently placed over her right shoulder as if to keep them out of the way. Uh, there were also a slew of new facial 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 disfigurements. Her nose had been removed, and two large triangular gashes had been made in her cheeks, pointing upwards towards her eyes. Her mm -hmm. eyelids had also been pierced, and interestingly, part of her right ear had been removed. Uh, Post-mortem examination found that she had only been dead for minutes when she was found, and that the wounds to her body had likely taken only about five minutes to perform. In yeah. short, the killer had fled the scene literally just before the body was found. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been several theories about the double murder occurring in such close proximity, but the chief two are these. Either, uh, and this was more prevalent at the time, Elizabeth Stride had not been killed by the Ripper at all, or, and this is the modern theory that's favored, which is sort of what Evan yeah. was just touching on, um, the killer had been forced to stop in his initial killing by some unforeseen circumstances. Yep, yep. So serial murders are often closely linked with particular fantasies harbored by their perpetrators. The act itself is generally fulfilling some sort of deeper need, satisfying the killer either sexually mm -hmm. or emotionally or, I don't know, some combination of weird fucking ways. Uh, however, due to the fantastical nature of these needs, their murders often become highly ritualized. This is why modern investigators generally perceive a particular MO or calling card for specific serial murderers and utilize these to determine whether a particular killing can be attributed to a particular person. So have we've, as we've seen, Jack's murders appear to have been motivated by a particular hatred of women, perhaps especially sex workers. Uh, yep. By this time, he had begun to incorporate very specific disfigurements into his crimes, which allow us to group the five canonical victims together as almost definitely attributable to Jack the Ripper. Theoretically, if Jack were interrupted during the murder of Stride and forced to abandon the act before it had come to a satisfying conclusion, he would have found this intensely frustrating. Uh, while it might have been a huge risk to kill a second woman so close to the first in, uh, in terms of both time and geography, the need to satisfy whatever nasty-ass urge he would have uh, would have been immense, leading him to seek a second victim upon whom he could act out his disgusting fantasy. Uh, this may account for the extra disfigurement on Edoas's body, though these may have been planned all along. But one of the yeah. one of the thoughts is he was so frustrated that he went like extra fucking nuts when he killed Edoas and added a bunch of shit. What a nasty uh, so, little beastie. Yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit person. So while none of this can be confirmed, it all fits with modern profile building techniques used by law enforcement when attempting to identify particular motivations or personality features in an unidentified subject. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit towards the end, but there's a pretty cool little end note on modern interpretation of Jack the Ripper. Yep. So post-double murder, 
the police swarm the area. They're hoping to catch the killer before he can escape. And this might sound naive, but it's apparently not that unrealistic of a goal, considering the fact that this body was clearly, like, just murdered. And it's, it's, it's um, a very confined geographic area where a person only has so many places to go without being seen, without being noticed. There's a lot of activity yeah. 24 hours a day. And so the cops have, like, a legitimate chance at possibly on foot catching this guy since they just came so close to encountering him at the scene of the murder. Um, unfortunately, however, the scene turns out to be fruitless, though there is one really, really, really interesting clue that they discover. Um, so tucked away on the ground in a doorway on nearby Goulston Street was a torn piece of what would turn out to be Catherine Eddowes' apron, covered in blood and fecal matter. Hastily uh -huh. scribbled in chalk on the wall above the apron was a message. The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Um, there's some typos in that. You can look it up and figure it out, but that's what it says. Uh, so as I mentioned in episode one, though I worded it a little confusingly, so I'm going to try to clarify here because yeah. I think I was kind of misunderstanding things a little bit. Okay. Uh, there are two separate police departments collaborating on the case at this time. So there's the City of London Police, who patrol the central city of London proper, which, as we discussed, London proper is, is a very small area central to what is now the greater London metropolitan area, um, like the downtown or whatever you want to call it. Um, and this is the original medieval city of London around which the massive modern metropolis has sprung up. Um, and then yep. there's the Metropolitan Police, who are responsible for the entire area surrounding, or the London Metropolitan Area. So, so it's like the difference between the LAPD and the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department? It's like that if the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department was, like, a hundred times bigger. Huh. Right? Okay. So, like, the City of London is incredibly small, and the City of London Police force is incredibly small the metropolitan police is where all the money is it is a much larger much more modern much more advanced mm -hmm. police force so yes. i think in in la it's sort of the opposite the lapd mm -hmm. technically has a smaller jurisdiction but it is a more advanced more modern uh, larger police force just because of the population difference the city of london police are much smaller um, okay. and much less uh financially <clears throat> solvent um so the Metropolitan Police are, are in charge here. Okay. okay so okay, I think okay, in episode yeah, one, I'm So it's kind of like an inverse sort of situation, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, ha if, if you must make a comparison, which apparently you must. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to let you kill this bug because you can't seem to let it go. I'm going to go take a pee. We'll take a little break, and uh, we'll be back. Dude, sit down. I've hit him like three times, but I think he's still alive. Yeah, you're gonna need to let that go. Like for, I don't know, what? half, you're gonna need to let that go for like half an hour. Say that again? You're gonna need to let it go for like half an hour. Dude, it keeps flying into me. Yeah, I know, off. and that's just gonna have to be okay with you. Right, well, you're gonna have to be an adult about it. What? You're gonna have to be okay with okay, it. Okay, I, I have to take a piss, I'll be right back. Oh my, God, Jesus. Wah. Fuck, dude. 
he's back from his tinkle. Let's see if he can. Let's see if he can get back on. All right. What? what? I said. I said he's back from his tinkle. Let's see if he can. Let's see if we can start. Oh, dude! Please, like you wouldn't do this. Come on. For a moth? No, absolutely not. I didn't not. say it was a moth. It's a fucking beetle, dude. I wanted I, it to get the fuck out of my house. Evan, I absolutely would not do this, and I say that with the utmost confidence. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't. You can't. You can't just let a beetle exist in your room for twenty minutes while we finish the show. It keeps flying up into my face and then back I away. Haven't like, I haven't seen this once. Uh, it's going right fucking there constantly. <laughs> you little fuck, dude. You stupid little mother. Oh my god. Oh, I'm stupid. Yes. Yeah, you're just existing amongst the bugs as they hit you in your fucking head. <laughs> just for the 30 minutes to do the show, yeah, I'd let the bug hit me in the head. That's fucking nasty, dude. That no, nasty little beast. It's not dude. it's a beetle, man. It's a it's a beetle. Yeah, they're gross. If you told me you had like a if you told me you had like a flying around, I can hear its little wings. If you told me that you had like a huntsman spider crawling on you, I would understand. But a little Japanese beetle. If there was a huntsman spider crawling on me, I would shoot myself in the face (laughs) just to not experience that. Well, that would be a little callback to our our Varg Vickerners episode. Uh, Please go back and listen to episode three where we talk about uh, Varg Vickerness and uh, some shootings and some stabbings. Um, Are you ready to go? I'm not sure that qualifies as a callback, but we can go. We can okay. Go. Um, so where were we? So in episode one, I think I mistakenly stated that the Metropolitan Police was the name for the entire national police force, um, of which there were various subdivisions, but this is inaccurate. Um, as England does have smaller regional police forces that don't fall under the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Police. Um, at least they did in 1888. Um, the Metropolitan Police are, however, uh, or were, the largest police force in the country, and their old headquarters at Scotland Yard in London was the center of the Ripper investigation and the home base of the detectives leading the case. Uh, So of those three detectives, the only one you really need to remember, as I said, is Frederick Aberline, who by now has become the dominant force leading the Metropolitan Police investigation, and thus the investigation as a whole. So anyway, after this whole long aside, back to the situation at hand, we've got this message, uh, the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Representatives of the two police departments disagree on how to handle this. The Metropolitan Police want to erase it to avoid anti-Semitic violence exploding in Whitechapel, where, as I mentioned, there's a sizable immigrant European Jewish population. The London Police want to photograph it because they felt that it might be important uh, important evidence. And these are both, to me, these both seem like pretty reasonable stances. Uh, it, may, it almost makes me wonder, like, why not both, right? Like, can't you take a well, photo, then erase I it? I mean, I guess since it'd probably be a daguerreotype, it'd probably take, like... 15 minutes to that's take a, a good point that's a good point <laughs> you know they would have to call in somebody who has it and then they would have to get set up and then it would take 15 minutes just to take the picture yeah that'd probably be like a couple hour long ordeal or some shit i feel like they could probably block it off though yeah yeah i don't know i don't know it seems like they just hadn't quite figured out the whole like crime scene close off thing yet people could just sort of walk up i mean as evidenced by the fact that like almost all these bodies are discovered by just like people yeah. And then they just stick around and touch them and like help carry them off and like it's just not a modern police investigation by any by any stretch. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, Charles Warren, who's the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, arrives. He says get rid of it, so they do. 
Uh, and again, this might sound like shoddy police work, but it almost certainly prevented an outbreak of like pogrom-like violence in Whitechapel because people were ready for this kind of violence. The message is obviously pretty ambiguous, um, but it wouldn't take much for a group of frightened residents to grasp at any opportunity to blame their Jewish neighbors in some way for the murders. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a trend throughout English, European, and global history, not exclusively with Jewish people, uh, though they have tended to be the favored societal whipping boys in much of Europe and Asia. Um, but really, any immigrant or minority group is pretty likely to be blamed in, in a, a panicked situation like this. So at this point, the police make public the Dear Boss letter, uh, and the name Jack the Ripper spreads like wildfire. Yeah. People make a big deal out of the missing ear, which was referenced in the letter, and boom, the whole thing goes from local crime spree to global media phenomenon. Letters begin pouring in from people claiming to be the killer, or to have seen the killer, or to have caught the killer. Um, and we still see this a lot whenever there's like a publicized serial murder. But yep. this is sort of the first time this has happened. Basically, any type of weirdo phoning in, but, you know, writing in, claiming to be associated with the case, uh, anything you can imagine is happening. Oh, so, the, those old murders? Yeah, that was me, man. That was me, dude. Was, I did that, that shit. Yeah, I, mean, hey, hey, I got kind of bored. Yeah, I don't know, man. La, 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 la. I did that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the police pretty quickly decide that the letter isn't real, um, and realizing they, they realize that it was a mistake to publicize it, but it's way too late. The floodgates are open, um, and now letters are just pouring in from weirdos. Hadn't they... they had, you said this in the last episode, right, that the police thought it wasn't real? No, so the people that received it thought it wasn't real. So oh, the timeline's okay. a little sketchy, but basically the central news agency got it on the 27th. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the 29th, during the day, they decided to forward it over. Yeah. Uh, the police get it, and then conveniently later that night, there's two murders, one of which fits the bill for this. So actually for... The police, they're pretty immediately skeptical that this letter is real. And in fact, like journalists kind of come under under fire. Like, is it a journalist who's committing the murders? Because yeah. it's pretty clear. Like, it just didn't seem credible to anybody. Um, but these letters are famous now just because they sort of coin a lot of the phrases that come to be associated with the murders. They're pretty creepy. Um, and it's sort of the first time that uh, media has been receiving direct correspondence from people claiming to be involved with a crime like right. this. Right, but... But so they described things that would then happen in the next murders, right? The letter? Yes. Which is why. But as it I hadn't said, been released yet, right? It hadn't been released to the public, which is why they immediately yeah. assumed that okay, the journalist yeah. was involved. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, but they, the letters were probably real, right? Uh, no. There's only one letter that's probably real, and we'll get to that. Oh, oh okay. Um,. So two, the two most famous examples of the next big batch of letters that come in are the Saucy Jackie postcard and the From Hell letter, which I'm going to go through mm -hmm. right now. So on October 1st, the central news agency, by now suspected by police of forging the Dear Boss letter, just because of timing, uh, whatever, it just doesn't seem credible. Okay. Um, they receive a postcard, again, written in red ink and smeared with blood. This is the, this is the Saucy Jackie postcard. I was not codding, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit. Couldn't finish straight off. Ha, huh, not the time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Signed, Jack the Ripper. 
So this particular postcard garners attention due to its resemblance to the Dear Boss letter, but again, it's widely considered to be a fake written by either a journalist or a weirdo, or I guess both, um, to get attention for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, the other letter I mentioned is kind of kind of another story. So on October 16th, George Lusk, who, remember, is the guy running the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, uh, mm -hmm. receives a letter dated to the previous day. Um, it's written in red ink, but this one comes with a little package, a little parcel. So this is the contents of that letter. From hell. Mr. Lusk, sir, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman, preserved it for you, the other police, I fried and ate it. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. There's a lot of typos in that. It's kind of hard for me to like read it and get them through, but <laughs> it's worth looking up the From Hell letter because um, you can see the actual like handwritten letter. Uh, but so Lusk opens the parcel and discovers what indeed appears to be a piece of a preserved kidney. Uh, medical examination showed that it was indeed human and that whoever it belonged to had probably suffered from Bright's disease, common among alcoholics, uh, which made people think that it could certainly have been Catherine Eddowes. And remember, she had had a kidney removed. Um, unfortunately, the original letter and the piece of kidney were lost in the Blitz, which, again, I mentioned that in episode one. When the Nazis bombed London, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the original documentation from this case was destroyed. Um, also of note is the generally poor grammar shown in this letter as opposed to previous letters. Uh, but even this is thought to have potentially been deliberate. Um, because while lots of words are misspelled, there are some clues that the writer was actually better educated than what it would, what it would present. Um, so when you read the letter, you'll see that the, the word knife, they include the silent K. Um, and also the H in the word while. Um, those are both present. And somebody who was writing just based on you know, hearing... Um, and didn't really have a good grasp on grammar, probably wouldn't have included those. Um, modern linguists find that sort of interesting uh, because mm -hmm. people who can't spell generally wouldn't think to include those letters. Um, but, you know, it's not proof of anything. Uh, but it is the most compelling of the letters, um, even though we won't ever really know if it's real or not. It is the most widely considered to have been potentially real correspondence from Jack the Ripper, um, if only because it contained... Uh, a piece of, of human kidney. Um, notably, Lusk himself, who received the letter, and the police did not believe that it was genuine, including Frederick Aberline, um, much like all the rest of the letters. In those days, uh, accessing a human kidney wasn't as hard as you would think. Just ask Walter Sobchak. Uh, despite the media frenzy and the mass hysteria and the global <laughs> attention to the newly named killer, the rest of October goes by completely without another killing, and people begin to hope that perhaps the rampage is over. But they would be super, super de duper wrong. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about the last canonical murder. Um, so buckle up because it's 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 this is the roughest one by far. So on November 9th of 1888. The body of a 25-year-old sex worker named Mary Jane Kelly is found at 13 Miller's Court in Whitechapel. Here's the thing, though. The body is inside. It's in her bedroom, in her bed, and it is completely, utterly obliterated. Uh, yeah, been... this is one of the pictures I had seen. Yeah, this is, yeah, you can find this picture. If you look up Mary Jane Kelly on Wikipedia, it's on her Wikipedia if you scroll down. It's a fucked up photo. I don't recommend yep. it, um, but... 
Luckily, it's like an old-fashioned photograph. There's not a million yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, it's at least like kind of like blurry and grainy and shitty. Yeah. But you can tell that it's... it's <laughs> that shit is fucked up. Yeah, this, yeah. Poor, this poor woman was absolutely destroyed. Um, so she'd been seen out and about the night before, and as with the previous murders, eyewitnesses described her talking to several men. Uh, interestingly enough, this time, many people describe him as looking, quote, Jewish, um, which, I mean... Hey, yeah, you can sort of expect anti-Semitism. Well, right, because by now it's sort of gotten out that there's been a couple things that point to that, but um, it can't be totally discounted, despite like the poor taste inherent in a description like that, as like a description. You know what I mean? It sucks to talk about, but police pretty much assumed that they just met someone with like dark hair and European features. Uh, yeah. as opposed to like whatever Which, you guess would call what? they're in Europe. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, but you know what? Like yeah, English that, people yeah. haven't always considered themselves part of Europe, and so they're they're I don't know. It's it's tough, but the police yeah. did admit it as uh, a genuine description of of the, the the attacker. Yeah, he could have just had you know slightly darker skin, darker right. hair. Yeah. yeah, I mean I don't know. It's 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 without going into the stereotypes inherent, yeah. they did take the the description seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's found by her landlord's assistant, who had been sent to collect her massively overdue rent. Uh, hearing no answer when he knocked, he peeked inside, saw her corpse, and alerted police. Detective Aberline arrived on the scene, and the investigation began. Um, so as I said, this poor woman got absolutely destroyed. Um, as we mentioned, all the previous murders had occurred outdoors, and thus had been performed rather quickly. Um, fear of getting caught may have been part of the thrill for Saucy Jackie, uh, but it also did not afford him much time to work. Coroner's estimates say that the wounds to Kelly's body would have taken up to two hours to complete, as opposed to the usual five to seven minutes on previous mm-hmm. victims. Her face had been hacked to the point of being unrecognizable. Uh, her, her sometime partner, sometime lover, would actually only be able to uh, identify her based on her eyes and her ears. Um, she had been entirely disemboweled, and almost all of her internal organs had been removed, or at least her abdominal organs. Yeah. Uh, I won't go into total detail. Um, you can find the whole medical report online really easily. It's it's disgusting, um, and, but it's also really long. But basically, she had her face and breasts essentially removed, uh, and a bunch of her organs piled under her head like a pillow, with more piled up near her feet. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Her heart had been completely removed. It wasn't found at the scene, so whoever killed her kept it. Uh, Again, nobody was found or arrested, though several people were questioned, including her lover, Joseph Barnett, though, again, no arrests were made because there just isn't the evidence. Um, This is the last murder to exhibit the particular M.O. of Jack the Ripper. Local hysteria would continue, and the list of Whitechapel murders goes on, uh, but we're not going to focus on any of them because contemporary analysis doesn't suggest uh, a connection. Eventually... Hysteria around Jack the Ripper dies down, and while several theories have been put forward over the years, up through present day, there is still no definitive answer to the question. Who the fuck was it? Uh, We will, however, discuss some of these people briefly in summation. There's a long list of suspects, some of them contemporary, some of them modern, some of them both, Um, Mm -hmm. but I just basically took some of the, those that stood out. Um, as kind of particularly interesting. Um, None of these people have been definitively fingered. Um, There are lots of modern claims that they've cracked the case, but none of those have been deemed uh, particularly noteworthy or or conclusive. So anytime you see someone saying that they figured out who Jack the Ripper is, unless it's something new that just comes out, um, you can't take it too seriously. 
so I'm just going to go through some of them. Um, so there's Severin Kloskowski. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a Polish immigrant who later changed his name to George Chapman. Um, this guy, the reason he's first on the list is because he was Frederick Aberline, the lead detective's choice as prime ripper suspect. Um, okay. He would actually become infamous for poisoning a succession of his wives and, wives and lovers uh, before being caught and hanged in 1903. Um, and he did do these things. He would marry women and, and then slowly poison them over a period of time and yeah. then get remarried. Um, It'd be weird for him to just stop the other things. Yeah. Yeah, and that's sort of what modern detectives think. Like, it would have been kind of strange for him to switch from, like, brutal murders to poisoning, but it wouldn't have been totally unheard of. He could have changed for any number of reasons. Maybe the killing, he didn't want to stop killing completely, but he knew that he was close to getting caught, so he changed, whatever. It's it's possible, but... Yeah, so, um, so remind me again, what year were these Jack the Ripper killings? 1888. Okay, yeah. So it's possible. If he had been a young man, he was in London at the time, but, you know... And all of these people were present in London in 1888. That's yeah, that's yeah. another notable thing. They were in the, the area, um, so that's part of why they get fingered. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to also mention again John Pizer, who I talked about briefly yeah, in episode yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Um, he was a likely suspect in the leather apron assaults, which were a sort of concurrent series of knife point uh, robberies or muggings of sex workers, wherein a man wearing a heavy leather apron would come up behind them, demand all their money, threaten to cut them up. They'd give him the money, and then he would leave. Um, he got brought in for questioning as the Ripper, um, and unfortunately for police, but fortunately for himself, he produced a pretty rock-solid alibi. Um, it doesn't exonerate him of the leather apron assaults, but because mm-hmm. they were just bigger fish to fry, they kind of just moved on. Um, yeah. But he, he definitely probably wasn't Jack the Ripper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this next guy is pretty cool. So there's this guy, Francis Tumblety, who is uh, American, and he's a snake yeah. oil salesman, which uh, around this time are pretty popular, especially in America, but um, also yeah. you know increasingly in Europe. And these are just people who are going around selling miracle cures comprised of all number of, of sort of benign or at least Miracle medically... mineral solution. Right, right, yeah. You could <laughs> shove bleach right up your ass, and it'll cure you yeah. of everything from balding yeah. to aging to cancer. Yep. Um, and clear so... <laughs> the furies right out of your ass with miracle mineral solution. <laughs> Um, So he goes around, he sells, quote, Indian herbs and claims that they can cure basically everything. Um, But he's arrested briefly in 1865, so a little over 20 years prior to this. And this is what's really interesting. Apparently, he was thought to be complicit in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. um, Hell yes, pimp. Yeah, kind of (laughs) nuts. Um, He was also apparently famous for keeping a collection of preserved women's wombs. Um, though again, this is all from hearsay. Like people that knew him claimed that he like showed them his collection of he had like a womery. (laughs) Yeah, Um, he was in London at the time of the murders, though he was not found to have been a likely candidate at the time. Um, The next guy, just like his name, his name is Doctor Thomas Neil Cream. Uh, He's a Scottish doctor specializing in abortions. Doctor Cream. Uh, he special he's he's he performs abortions. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Um, which is I guess the only major connection to him and the Ripper. Um, yeah. He did, however, uh, get found guilty of poisoning his mistress's husband. Um, and on his deathbed, deathbed, reportedly his last words were said to have been, "I am Jack the," uh, and then he died. Um, so I mean, who Jack knows? the Cream. 
Right, he could have just been Jack the Creamer. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there was Frederick well, Bailey. He, was, he did do abortions, though, so hey, maybe. You never know. Anyone who's willing to do those must be a murderer. Well, no, I mean more that Jack the Ripper clearly knew how to take out, you know, knew his way around yeah. woman's anatomy. So I will mention <laughs> that, that modern analysis suggests that even that might not be a fair assessment. Um, at the time, oh. at the time, because people were so unused to this level of brutality it was assumed that he must because he could like find organs but modern science has sort of come to the the partial conclusion that like if you were a gross enough sick enough individual and you were willing to cut open a person um pretty much anyone you could, could probably tell the difference between organs pretty much anyone could find <laughs> some shit and cut it out um, yeah and it wasn't so precise that like it had to have been someone with medical expertise they could have just like tortured animals or you know what i mean yeah. which is really common for people that end up becoming serial killers um yeah. or just have committed murders somewhere else prior to london True. um which never yeah, got maybe mentioned. had some experience yeah. right um so it that's a, a popular theory and still potentially true but not again not super ironclad okay um, there's another guy named Frederick Bailey De Deeming who had murdered his entire family in Lancashire, England before fleeing to Australia in 1891. Um, later, people would find the bodies of his family under his old house and whatever. It would become a whole big thing. That's basically it. But he was in London in 1888, and he did kill a bunch of people. So, so. so they're just finding, like, a bunch of, like, creeps and murderers yeah. in London. Like, oh, is this one? Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, sort of still happens, you know? You find some yeah. fucking weirdo, and, like, you're going to think it was him. Yep. Um, a, a really fun one, which really doesn't doesn't hold any water. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one just seems like dog shit. Yeah, but it's it's cool, and it's the basis yeah. for the From Hell comic, which is really fun. Um, yeah. But uh, Queen Victoria's grandson, Prince Albert Victor, um, people claim that he was driven mad by syphilis and then conf committed the murders. Um, fun, but not likely. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there's there's a long list of, of potential uh, suspects, none of whom are, are considered um, particularly viable by by modern investigators. But that's just a few of them. If you look online or whatever, you can find a huge long lists of like 30, 40 names. And there are modern authors who claim that one or none of these people are the real killers. And it's like you know, it's it almost takes some of the some of the zest out of the story if you think that you've cracked it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was kind of like what we were talking about um, this past week, and it's like once you see the monster, kind of yeah. stops being scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were talking about Stephen King, and it's like yeah. the best parts of every Stephen King story are like the first third to half where you have no idea what's going on. It's just these and sort of he confused... has this like <laughs> yeah, keep going. Sorry, I was gonna say these like confused and like horrifying scenes of of unknown things happening to people. Yeah, um, and then and he just has this compulsion to explain every single goddamn right. aspect of it, every single motivation, every single detail of the actual thing. Right, and then also name, like, every rock and roll song he's ever enjoyed in his life and, like, yeah. quote them and separate his chapters up and, like, super... Anyway, but yeah. yeah and, I, and then complain about Kubrick's The Shining. Which, which is, like, objectively is a fabulous... It's probably, like, like, multiple orders of magnitude better than anything he's done. <laughs> I don't know. The book The Shining is really good. Yeah, I've never Stephen King wrote uh, a few cool books when he was still, like, fucked up and on drugs. Um, and The Shining is one of them. Yeah. Um, not, but, like, I mean, great, Kubrick's but The Shining is fucking... It's fantastic. I think they're both great. 
Yep. You know, I think Cubic's The Shining is like the precursor to uh, um, the Lord of the Rings movies, wherein like, do they change some things or cut oh, some things out? Right. Yes, but like, is any of the the grandeur or any of the mood ruined? No, like it, you managed to convey the entire awesomeness of the of the story, yeah. um, despite having to make changes to make it a movie. And that's not something yeah. you can claim. Yeah, often. as much I, as everybody loves Tom Bombadil, we don't. Do we really need a movie depiction of just a weird yeah. singing dude? <laughs> Tom Bombadil is one of my favorite parts of those books, and I've read those yeah. books a bunch of times, but. Tom Bombadil is uh, awesome, but yeah, you don't need that in a movie. Yeah, in fact, you if he was in weird... the movie, you probably would have had fewer people sticking around to see the rest yeah, of it. Uh, yeah, if like towards the beginning you have this dude hopping around in like the tall grass with oh, a big Tom hat. Tom Bombadil, Just Tom singing Bombadil. about himself. <laughs> oh, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like singing about himself as he just hops around the grass. Yeah. You don't need that. Um... So Very last... swag to read, though. Very swag. Oh, it's awesome. It's super cool. And uh, you should all read it. But also, so yeah. similarly, <coughs> I think Stephen King's The Shining is, is a good read. It's a fun read. <coughs> and legitimately spooky. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I wouldn't say, like, terrifying, but it's spooky. Yeah. Uh, so the last, the last bit that I want to talk about, and I'm surprised we're actually making pretty good time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the last bit that I want to talk about, uh, the FBI, a uh, hundred years after the Jack the Ripper murders in 1988, um, they compile a modern profile of the Jack the Ripper killer. Um, yep. Basically, it's just sort of like a display of, of their profiling abilities. Um, but it's a really interesting read. Mm -hmm. So they talk about his likely trauma at the hands of women, uh, his sexual and fantastical gratification through killing, and lots of other things that would have been the basis for much of what I've been writing in these episodes. So basically, mm -hmm. all the modern takes on Jack the Ripper sort of have their foundation in this FBI report. Um, it's really worth reading. You can find it online. If you look up FBI Jack the Ripper, you can find a PDF of the entire uh, report, just basically photocopied, and you can just read the original. Um, but there's a few things we're talking about. So as I said, like it's it's pretty likely that a person committing crimes of this particular type would have been in some way traumatized by a woman during his youth, whether that be physical or sexual abuse by his mother, uh, witnessing his mother engaging in prostitution or in wanton sex with someone other than his father. Um, some exposure to something of that nature is likely um, in this case. And also, just based on other serial killers that have been caught, um, it can be inferred based on the specific uh, viciousness of his attacks, but also the fact that there's no sexual component, um, no obvious sexual component to his killings, but there are uh, assaults on the sex organs of his victims, that there is probably some sort of sexual gratification occurring for him. Mm -hmm. um, we talked, I mean, you and I listened a little bit on our drive back from Brooklyn about Andre Chikatilo, right? Who is the, yeah, the Red Ripper a named after episode. Ripper. Oh, wicked trashy. And um, <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the cases that I think would lead to this modern interpretation of Jack the Ripper, right? Which is that yeah. he probably was deriving some sort of satisfaction from this. There was no obvious evidence of, like, rape or assault. But the particulars of the, of the mutilations are, are yeah. kind of too specific to pass up. Um, also of note, they believe that he was probably a local resident um, and likely an immigrant, 
Um, mm -hmm. They make the connection between the victims being alcoholic sex workers um, and that they were killed before being mutilated. Um, so he was probably quiet, probably shy, probably a loner, um, had no interest in garnering attention to himself, and wasn't, again, wasn't really interested in torturing women. The killing was just sort of necessary for him to perform the changes that he wanted to perform to their bodies. Do as you sort see? of Right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the rep oh, wait, what, what was her name? Fucking... <laughs> what was the last one's name? Uh, Mary Jane, Mary, yeah. Mary, Mary, Mary Jane Kelly. Kelly. This is her changing. Do you see? <laughs> do, you, do you see what I have done? Do you yeah. see what I have become? This is her changed. Do you see? <laughs> Gross. Um... The report also talks about how it's super likely that the actual perpetrator of the killings was questioned by police as part of their canvassing due to mm -hmm. the fact that he would have likely lived very close by to the killings and they were knocking on basically every door. Um, yeah. But he probably didn't fit the prevailing ghoulish notion um, of what a killer would have looked and act like. Like, people would have assumed that he would have been some, like, really obvious, like, dark, evil-seeming person, which is why there were all these awful racial associations tied to it, things like that. Um, this killer would have probably... Somebody with a choleric temperament. Right. Uh, this person would have probably seemed super normal and super, like, mild and, and yeah. uninteresting, and so would have even though likely being questioned multiple times wouldn't have aroused any real interest because mm -hmm. there were just all these other wild characters running around that people could point to when someone quiet and unassuming didn't draw any attention. Yep. Um, it also talks about how he likely returned to the sites of his murders and to the grave sites of his victims multiple times to achieve sexual gratification in between murders. Um, mm -hmm. That probably meant something like masturbation, which is kind of gross to think about, but... Um, you know, that's a very common thing with yep. killers. And so if they had known then what we know now, they probably would have staked out the sites of the murders. But they didn't because, I don't know, why would they, right? Like, they, they didn't have they modern... Yeah, yeah they, they didn't know that. Like, they were like, okay, well, he's... Streets they, are if, filled with vagrants, so you can right. just grab one. And if, if anything, they would have probably assumed that, like, no smart killer would go back to the scene of the crime, right? Because mm -hmm. why would they? You know, you want to go somewhere new where no one's expecting you. But they didn't have this idea that a lot of the time killers actually like going back to where they committed those things. Because in mm -hmm. between the act of killing, that's how they can sort of relive the memory and sort of get a small amount of the pleasure they derived from the killing yeah. a second time. Mm -hmm. um, the report states that he was unlikely to have committed suicide, which is one of the theories that he stopped because he like felt such remorse that he killed himself. Which is like, like this dude felt remorse. No. Um, but he probably did stop due to either illness, death, or relocation. Um, it's also possible, more possible than him killing himself, that he simply achieved what he had hoped to by murdering Mary Kelly and did not continue any further. This isn't super likely, but it does happen. There are killers who, for whatever psychotic reason, they, they believe that they have a specific goal to accomplish, and once they achieve that, they no longer have to continue killing. And so it's possible that Jack the Ripper just stopped. He got Mary Kelly, he had the time to do what he wanted to do, achieved what he wanted to achieve, and didn't need to do it again. Um, mm. Not likely, but possible. Yep. Uh, the final lines of the report I found particularly creepy, so I'm just going to quote those here. He would not be visibly shaken or upset if directly accused of the homicides. 
However, he would be psychologically and physiologically stressed if confronted with the fact that he had become personally soiled by the victim's blood. Jack the Ripper believed the homicides were justified, and he was only removing perishable items who were like garbage. Um, so that paints a pretty clear picture of someone who wouldn't have viewed these women as people, um, had such a sort of disgusted view of them that he would have been more bothered by someone making note of the fact that through his actions he had become tainted by them than by being accused of committing the crimes themselves mm-hmm. um, and that they weren't really people. They were just sort of some awful thing that needed to be removed from society and he was the guy to do it. Yeah. So all of this is based on like modern forensic science or at least modern as of 1988. Um, there haven't been further like FBI reports on this but um, yeah. I just found that particular Well I mean what else is the FBI going to say that they uh <coughs> That they uh, pushed him to commit the crimes themselves right. just so they could catch him. <laughs> yeah, he was he was he was a bad state actor who had been hired yeah. to sow unrest in in the UK to yeah. disrupt the development of. Well, of... we usually are only able to catch people that we com- that we convince to commit the crimes to begin with, so we can't really help you guys here. <laughs> yeah, we 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 only know who did it when we did it. So sorry. Yeah, have um, you guys no, checked I, with I, Richard I found Jewel? the report really <laughs> compelling, and I think it's worth looking into. Um, it's definitely creepy, if, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Like I said at the start, this could be a three and a four and a five-part episode, just talking about, like, all the innovations of this time period, why this particular case is interesting because of when it happened and where it happened, mm-hmm. not just the specifics of the crime, but the fact that Victorian London in 1888 is is sort of at the crossroads of the old world and the new world, and mm-hmm. how much in society was so rapidly developing without people having a chance to kind of take note and catch up to it. Um, it's, it's a really fascinating period, and I, I hope that we do more episodes, maybe not on Jack the Ripper, but on this sort of period in time. And again, not just in London, but across the planet, because it's a really fascinating glimpse into the start of some of the horrible things that sort of define modern existence, right? And um, there's a, a real backdrop to the story of people just being, like, smashed under the thumb of, like, the growing capitalist monster and people yeah. being absorbed completely by the, the the day-to-day grind to just sort of sell their labor for the most meager of existences. And, yeah, um, yeah hey, behind all of this, the, Yeah, an episode on the Paris Commune would be cool. Yeah, sure. That's one that would probably take a lot, but... <laughs> yeah, but worth doing. Yeah. Um, so, again, also there's a lot that I probably haven't touched touched upon. I'm not a ripperologist. I w- won't ever be one. But this was an interesting episode to do. I hope you guys liked it. Sorry if I, like, missed something that you find really cool about Jack the Ripper. Yeah. But um, Well, I mean, I guess since we're still not too far, like, uh, if you want to do a quick one, like, what were, like, the other killings? The ones that, like, there were some after this, right? Yeah. Um, so I didn't go as deep into those as I did into this. Um, But there were a couple women who had their throats slashed. They didn't have the same level of mutilation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for various reasons, they weren't associated with Jack the Ripper. Uh, They were at the time, but they're not still. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, any murder of a woman that occurred after this was contemporaneously 
said to be Jack the Ripper. So um, mm -hmm. right after this, uh, God, I, I don't have any of this written down. No, right no, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But right after this, a woman got her throat slashed, and of course, people were like, it's Jack the Ripper. Um, up through like 1891, 1892, um, yeah. there were a couple of, of bodies found, like either partially disfigured or stabbed, and people sort of said Jack the Ripper, but they didn't have the disfigurement of genitals. They didn't have the facial disfigurements. They weren't always sex workers. Um, and so for various reasons, like people, modern investigators have sort of weeded them out as being likely suspects. It's possible, um, but it would have been strange for him to de-escalate um, yeah, the reason that that uh, Elizabeth Stride, the first of the double murders, is mm -hmm. considered canonical is for the very reason we discussed earlier, which is that it's yeah. it's very likely, considering the uh, proximity um, and the timing, that she was an aborted murder. She was he was starting to kill her. Somebody came up on him and was like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing?" He bolted. I and mean, hell, he, it could have been that guy that said that he saw. Could have been. Like fighting with somebody. Sure. That may have been the point where she got yeah. her throat cut. And then yeah. the guy was like, ah, fuck. Uh, too, too close for comfort. And then he ran off and found someone else. And, and in a frenzy. Like 15 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then literally got missed by the cops by like minutes, which is yeah. super spooky. She had, she had been alive minutes before they found her. And the yeah. guy was there cutting her up until right before they got there. Yeah. Um, so that's the only reason that that particular murder is considered canonical. But it's possible that, you know, that happened again. You know, maybe there was a couple other aborted murders and it was too close for comfort and he just stopped. And then he was just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. But the, there, there's, or you know, there's other theories. Like, people talk about how he could have been a sailor and had been, like, in port for a little while and then he left. And yeah, because so, this was all over the course of, what, like a week or two? A couple months. A couple months, oh, okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, August, I think, through October or November. Yeah. The last murders in November. Oh, okay. So, last, okay tail end yeah, of 1888. Yeah. Um, but then also some of these other murders are now attributed attributed to just there's there was a lot of like I don't want to say run of the mill because it was it was extreme and it was very violent. But there was a lot of gang activity. There was a lot of gang violence in this area at the time. Um, so over time, a lot of the the other like just throat slittings and stabbings that happened after this have sort of been attributed to that um, as yep. opposed to being the work of, you know, a serial killer who was mm -hmm. very specific and methodical in his activities. It's also possible that none of these murders were committed by the same person and that they were all, you know, people capitalizing on hysteria. But there is like a certain, it, that's a bit of a tough pill to swallow. You know, yeah. it's, 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 even to someone like me, and I'm sure like you, it, it, it seems like there is something particularly consistent about yeah, this group of five murders that seem like there was somebody out there doing this. And, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, we'll never know. Um, some people say his ghost haunts the old London Bridge, which is in Arizona now. So you can go there if you want. And The, uh, the bridge is in Arizona? Yeah, the original London Bridge. No, they moved over there. Yeah, that was forever ago. Um, there's a new London Bridge, and they say that the ghost of Jack the Ripper haunts it. So go ask him there. Go to fucking, I think it's Arizona. But yeah, go check it out. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, that's it. Uh, sorry that I didn't do more on that. I guess I probably could have squeezed a few more things in because nah, we got this right. done in like an hour and 15. But I had like 3,000 words written, and I was like, I'm not fucking going to go nuts with this. So I figured I'd tie it up neatly with a nice little bow. And if you guys like it, Go dive in. There's a plethora of information. Um, I found a bunch of cool shit on a bunch of cool websites. Um, mm -hmm. 
we should probably make our own website so we can start sharing our sources. But um, yeah. one day, particularly, I think that if you go, if you look up FBI Jack the Ripper, you can find that FBI report from '88, um, Special Agent Something or Other. Um, there's a PDF on their archives on the FBI's website that yeah. you can find. That's it's it's well worth the read. It's super creepy. So, um, cool. yeah. Sorry it took so long to make this one, but we hope you guys liked it because it was a lot of work and yep. a long time coming. Anything you want to add, my friend? Um, No, no, just the usuals at the end. Uh, you know, tell your family, tell your friends about us. Please rate and review us on your app of choice. I'm not sure if you can do that on Spotify, but um, you can do that on Apple. And if you follow us on Spotify, that's good for us too. That great. Yep, yep. Follow Basically, us. Basically, anything you can click on whatever you listen to. Yeah. Just click it. Yep. Yeah, uh, follow us on social media or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, get the uh, word out there. We'd appreciate that. Well, let me actually backtrack a little bit. Don't click report. Um, we don't want to be reported. But Do not you, report us. But you Do can not. certainly follow us or like us or share us or, I don't know, any other good thing. Anything that you that you feel like you want to do, um, tell your friends. And, uh, yeah, man, we'll, yep. we'll definitely have more weird, uh, negative, crappy shit that's happened in the past for you in, in the future. So Yeah. Cool. That's true. All right, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Once again, this has been Left on Red. My name is Evan. My co-host is Evan. And I hope that you guys have a wonderful night. Yep, Evan and Evan, yep. We're Evan and Evan. Ooh. All right, see you later. <laughs> All right, peace, guys. Say where the road goes, where the day flows, only Shake that quiet, say the motherfucker!